0: This is KMTT. This is Ezra Bek the weekly shiur on Pashat HaShavuah, and this week's Pashat is Pashat Tazria. Beginning this week, we're entering the section of Sefer Vaikra that deals with Tuma Vetahara, um, specifically Pashat Tazria and uh, Pachat uh, Mitzorah, which comes afterwards. The concept of Tuma had been mentioned earlier. It uh, already appears in Pashat Shmini, but the context there is different. Uh, it's a deep and complicated question why the Torah refers to uh, machalot mm-hmm. asurot, things that are forbidden to be eaten, with the phrase tumah. Uh, the animals that are asurot to eat are called behemot tme'ot And uh, the word tumah appears there also as a verb. You shouldn't tamei behem. Um It's also mentioned, Benivla Tamitma, one of the, uh, in, in, uh, in Veila, a dead body causes Tumat. It's mentioned almost as an aside. Uh, but y- yes, no, the, the, there's an overall arch of Tumat that began already last week's Pasha, and a few distinct mentions. But the next two Pasha deal totally and exhaustively with Tumat, specifically Tumat Yoledet a, a birthing mother, afterwards long section on Tumat um, which is translated as leprosy, although apparently it doesn't mean what we call leprosy today, um, followed by uh, Tumat Nida, uh, Tumat Zav B'Zavah, uh, different, different Tumot, collectively called tumayut uh, Yudzeit Mikufam, those Tumot which derive from a bodily condition that a person that a person has one way or another. One major form of tuma is not found in Sefer Vayikra at all, and that's Tumat Usually considered to be the archetypical form of, uh, of tuma, partially supported by the fact that there's a phrase used about Tuman in connection with death, Tumat that says that the dead body is Avi Avota tuma, the grandfather of all Tumat. But that's actually a legal term which doesn't really mean what it sounds like Nonetheless, it's it's often used in, in, in uh, metaphorically in that sense, um, the sense that it's it's yeah it's the grandfather of all tumult and and there's a whole theory of tumult based on it, which I think is basically correct, uh, and that is that all tumult are connected in one way or another to death. A quick uh, listing of the tumult would indicate on in first glance that. A lot of that appears to be true, namely, of the different kinds of defilements, the different kinds of tumat. So there's tumat mate, obviously connected to mate, connected to death. Um, tumat mitzora, which is what most of our, this week's parasha and next week's parasha is concerned with. So the Torah explicitly connects the state of the mitzora with the state of death, as Aaron said to Moshe when Miriam was struck with leprosy, on not he commit?" let her not be as one who is dead. Um, And and Chazal will speak of, they also say explicitly, Mitzorah choshev of he as is, though he is dead. Uh, It could be because his skin is literally falling off him at advanced stages of the disease. Uh, He's dissolving, he's he's falling apart. Um, But in that event, uh, metaphorically, spiritually, Mitzorah is considered to be, has a status of very similar to one who is dead. A little more of a stretch, Tumat nida is explained by Rav Shmuel as being the loss of life or the loss of the potential of life. A woman uh, has the potential to produce more life, and menstruation is the cessation, or the loss, the 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 frustration of that potential at that particular moment, and so it's a kind of contact with death or with with the loss of potential for life, which is the same thing or an equivalent. And therefore, that's a different kind of Tumat. Tumat nevela is that of dead animal bodies. And some Tumat would seem to be a little bit further afield. Tumat Sharet certain. There are eight different kinds of insects which uh, cause Tumat in their lives, not when they're dead. And so that's a bit of a stretch. Apparently, some insects are connected with dust. The creatures of the dust, some insects somehow represent that, which is the opposite of life. It it symbolizes the opposite of life. You come from dust and you return to dust. Okay, that's more of a stretch of the idea. Um, and then we come to the first Tumah of today's pasha. <speaking in Hebrew> A woman who gives birth is me for either seven days for a male child or 14 days for a female child. She gave birth. She didn't suffer death. She suffered life. It's the exact opposite. In fact, the Pasuk even stresses it by an, un, an apparently unnecessary introduction. The commentators have different explanations for why it's there. Ishaq ki tazri yavi for A woman... Um, uh, produces seed. In other words, if she becomes pregnant and gives birth to a male child and she is tamei shivat yamim. Why does it say that she became pregnant? It's just, just not necessary. She gave birth and I know she became pregnant and I don't care if she became pregnant. The giving birth produces, produces tuma. So it seems almost, for whatever, the, there are different reasons given, I'm not going to go into them, but for whatever reason the Torah is really stressing this woman is fruitful. La Hazviyah is to produce fruit. And she gave birth to a son. And she is, th- and she is Tamay. she Tame. So if Shem, Shem Farage gave an answer which I think is it sounds a little dressy, but I think it's absolutely correct. And he said that when we say that someone meets death, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a terrible or sad occasion. Death is a sad occasion. But not only. Giving birth is a happy occasion. It's a wonderful occasion. It's fruitful. It's 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 an achievement. It's a fantastic achievement. It's one of the greatest achievements of humanity, specifically of the woman. But he said, the experience involves contact with death. Because when the woman was pregnant, Isha tazria. That's why it's important this introduction be here. When she was pregnant, she had more life in her body. She and the child were alive. And she shares. She's in contact, much more than in contact. Literally infused together with an extra life. A pregnant woman is two lives. And when she gives gives birth, wonderful occasion, the child is more alive. But she is less so she has, and nothing to be sad about. I don't think there's any reason for her to, to, to mourn this. Tumor doesn't mean you're mourning anything, but you've had an experience where you have come in contact with death or less life or, or the parting, a divorce, a separation from life. There is less life beating in her body now than there was a few minutes before. And therefore, the idea is that what we called Tuma is a state of man where he comes in contact, where he comes in confrontation, where he experiences. He experiences death. He experiences the experience, or you would say that death is the opposite of experience. Well that's our point. He's still alive, alive. If you're dead, you're not you're not tame. But a person who is alive who in one way or another, there are different ways come in contact with death some of them involve external touching like when you touch a dead body but some of them involve and they're more serious internal the tumah is created because you yourself are actually experiencing the experience and giving birth is an experience of while alive experiencing death means experiencing a separation a divorce from the life that existed before that's a very powerful idea of Rosh Hush and I think it explains what, uh, what, what, why this tuma is found in these in these in these parashiyot. These two pasukot, Tazria Metzora, describe people who are living an experience of death. Sometimes in a terrible manner, like the Metzora who's diseased. And sometimes like a Nida, where it's just it's a it's a cycle of more life, less life. Sometimes, like Ishayu Ledat, which is an experience of producing more life, but by necessity also separating from it. And without a doubt, I think we all understand that that separation is also a good thing. You produce life so that it should be independent. One, you, you can be more alive, that's one experience. But it's a much more important experience. It's a better experience. It's, it's the purpose of God's creation God created man and said to him, a rule is to produce other life, which is what Isha Yoledet does. But by producing other life, you personally have an experience of divorce from life. And that's called Tumah. And that engenders Halachot of tuma, which are described later on in the Pasha, in the next week's Pasha, and require therefore Tahara, uh, mikvah, in this case, also bringing a Korban, in the case of Mitzvah, rather complicated, uh, uh, ceremony beyond Mikvah, and in the case of Tumat Meit, n- different complicated ceremony involving Haz'ah, the, 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 the blood of a parah uh, the experience of death, you have to return to life afterwards, or you have to reinvigorate your own life afterwards, which is done the way it's done. Um, this is not my topic today, but... That That is, I think, the best explanation or the meaning of why basic tava is done through mikvah. There are additions. But basic tava is done for mikvah. And for a person who has experienced death, he needs to be reborn. And putting oneself into the waters and coming out of them, first of all, it suggests actual birth. Since persons before they were born, they were also in the water of the amniotic sac. But I think that, that may just be a... Uh, an, an idea that floats in one's head, but, but the seas, water which is not in, in a vessel, but water that's in the ground, is somehow understood by the Torah, by Chazal, and I think deep down in our hearts, as being more primordial than the other places that were found. Remember, that when the world was created, it was covered with water. <speaking in Hebrew> separated the land from the water and what, what what's in the sea is more tahor, there's a rule, kosher bayam tahor, there is no tuma in the seas, fish are never tamayim, and the seas are considered to be more pure, more non-defiled, more tahor, I don't like the translation, pure, more undefiled, because they're more natural, because it's where things come from, and so going into a mikvah and coming out of it is like being born anew, it's, it's, it's literally being, it's, it's, it's rebirthing, and that's how it restores you to to the to, to to life, the point I want to explain before I get to the point, let's get to the Pasha is what does that mean? Why, why is death tuma? Why is death and tahava uh, contradictory? And this, I think, is a very, very important idea in Yiddishkeit. We're dealing with something. Let me give you a small introduction. We're dealing with something which doesn't really affect us. We pay no attention to tuma betarvayom, not because it doesn't exist, but because it overexists. We're always in a state of And tuma. um, Tumat met, the tuma that ing- is engendered by contact with death, is omnipresent because it's not just touching a dead body; it's also being in the same room as something which touched a dead body or a person who was in the same room as the dead body, everybody is, all Jews are Tmei and the only way to get rid of that tuma requires Parah Adumah, the red heifer, which does not exist today, will require Avodat Beit Mikdash, and therefore we're in a permanent shiloh till the Mashiach comes, a state of tuma, And therefore, we pay no attention to it, because it's just everywhere, and, and there's no way to get around it, there's no distinction, no one is ever Taha. There are more serious Tumot, in other words, Tumat Nida exists and can be taken care of, but we basically refer to that more on the level of isu Vahet, not on the level of Tumat v'tarat. It doesn't involve any Tumat Dinim. Uh, so it's true, if you're living in Yerushalayim, or you're living in Eretz Yisrael, and you plan with rabbinic approbation and care to enter part of what we call Harabayit, which may or may not be mutar, but it may be mutar, seems to be muta, but only if you're very careful where you go, namely only in a section called Harabayit, not the section called Azarah, and there, Tamei may enter. You only have to get rid of Tuma You said and therefore, Mikvah is sufficient, therefore people actually do go to the Mikvah in order to remove Tumar Vitarah, in order to remove tumah. But it's, it's rare, and it's not Yom yomi, and therefore, it's not part of our consciousness. But I'm, nonetheless, I think the idea that I'm about to explain is crucial, and it's, Basic in Judaism. If you think about it, tahara, purity, is a neutral state. It's not the same as kedusha. The world is not sacred until it's been sanctified. Rocks and stones are chol. And to make them holy, you have to make them holy. You have to dedicate them to God. To et is the opposite. Everything in the world is tahor until it becomes Tameh. Stones and rocks, the seas, the fish, the trees in the field are all Tehorim. Tara is not a positive state. It's a neutral state. But what it indicates is, in my opinion, the ability to grow. Tara is a prerequisite for Kedusha. If you're Tameh, you're thrown out of the Beit HaMikdash. Tahara means that you have vitality. You have the ability to grow, to reproduce, to, to become better, to, come, to become closer to God. Closest to God is Kedusha. A tahor is a human being who has the ability that was given to him in his creation, to become closer and closer to God, to grow in, 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 in goodness and, and, and to reproduce. And make more of this world. That's what tahara is, and therefore contact with death. Death is non-growth. No, no vitality. Death means you're just you are what you are. You, you, you can no longer grow. You can no longer become better. You can no longer change you can no longer become close to God so the contact with death puts a break the human ability de- death in, in our world the fact that death exists is a question is a challenge to the fact that man was created by with sin okay. which is why of course Adam wasn't meant to die and death is introduced because he because he sinned because he turned off he didn't fulfill his original mandate. And, and we aspire to the day when death will once again be destroyed. Death will die. And death will be swallowed up and disappear. Because man's role in the world is not to be dead. It's not just to be. It's not to be stable. It's not to be dormant. It's not to be just what he is. It's to be more than he is. And when a person dies, he can no longer develop. The contact of me, my experience of death, prevents Kedusha. It keeps me out of the Beit HaMikdash. Because I've experienced uh, my own immobility. The potential for being immobile. It's really waiting for every man around the corner. Since death is inevitable. And that experience puts a break. And I need to restore Vitality by returning to the root, by returning to what I described as the mikvah, returning to the primordial waters and, and, and sapping into the, the underlying creation of man, which is to be which is to become closer and closer to God. That's the idea of Tumar V'tara, and it has therefore repercussions way beyond Tumavitara. It's it's everything in our life. A person who isn't moving. He's okay, he's doing the right things, he's doing mitzvot, but he's not becoming more, he's not becoming better by day by day. He's stagnating in his religiosity, or in his goodness, or even in his tzitkis. He's a wonderful tzadik. He does everything right. But he's stagnating. He's not going anywhere. That is, metaphorically, Tuma. He's dead. I'll quote a famous statement of the Balshemtov, who said, used to say to Talmidim, talking about what happens after you die, Call Chayei Ha'olam Haba all the life of the future world. In other words, all true life, not biological life, all true life is to continue from strength to strength and from step to step today and forever. Moving is living, standing still is death, true death. And therefore, the story in which that line appears in the Shiv Chayabesh is discussion of what takes place after one dies. One dies, one doesn't go to rest, one goes to move forward. And if you don't move forward in Olam Haba, you're dead. You're dead in Olam Haba. It's not Eretz HaChayim. Okay, that's the idea of, of Tuma, And therefore, just to go back to our pasha, yes, a woman who gives birth is doing wonderful things. But she's now experienced a small, slight contact with death which requires Tahara. But now I want to ask a different question reads as follows. Tell the Jews. A woman who gives birth and is pregnant, gives birth to a male child. Yamim. She is Shivat Yamim. That's Basud The next thirty-three days. She is in a state that's called which is in between at least I mean, according to the laws of the Torah, before Chazal changed it, uh, she would actually be Torah, but she's still not allowed into the Mikdash. Only when she gets to the 40th day, then she has to uh, become Torah completely by bringing her to the If it's a female, then she's tomeyah for two weeks, not for one week, and spends the next, not 33 days, but 66 days in the state called Meit Torah. And at the end, you bring a koban, you become Taha You become Kupiti Taha. I skipped the Pasuk. I read Pasuk Aleph, I read Pasuk Bet, I read Pasuk Dal. Pasuk gimel is, after saying that the woman who gave birth to a male child is Tme'ah for seven days, it says, On the eighth day, she is, the woman who gave birth is Tme'ah for seven days. And on the eighth day, this male child shall have his uh, circumcision. You mold You should cut off the Ola from his uh, from his flesh. The next pasuk says, the next thirty three days she's vidmei tahara. What is brit mila doing here in the middle? The pasha completely is about Tuma tahara, and right now we're in a mini pasha about Tuma of the. Of the Ishayu led it. We've done the first seven days, then she has thirty-three more days. Then there's going to be the Nekevar, which will be set fourteen days and another sixty-six days. So why in the eighth day? It's true chronologically. It sounds wonderful. She's seven days to Me'ah, huh? and then the eighth day you do a bit. I mean, if I was doing a. Uh, a, a travelogue, if I was doing a, 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 a guide to people, guide to what's going to happen in the next two weeks, so then it makes a lot of sense. Listen, you're going to the hospital, you're going to give birth, you're going to be seven days to meah, oh, on the eighth day there will be a and then the next 33 days you're this and this. Did, did I mention that on Shabbos you're going to have a kiddush? Yeah, that, that, that's okay, but that's not what the Torah is doing. The Torah is talking about halacha. What is the connection between having the birth on the eighth day and the fact that she is to meah seven days? And it does seem to imply that there's a connection between seven and eight. In other words, it actually is going in order. This was noticed by Chazal, and all the Mufashim have, have different other reasons. They, they, they make all kinds of connections here. And Chazal says something which is beautiful, although it doesn't really answer the question, I think, from a malachic basis, but it's a nice idea. It says that the Torah waited for the eighth day for the Brit, so that the parents should be able to be happy at the Brit. Because when the woman is t'mayah, and also Asura the Ba'ala, and she also is forbidden, and, and she's tvayad, all sorts of restrictions. So she won't be able to experience the happiness which we'd like her to experience at her own birth. A nice idea. Maybe, could be, but it doesn't seem to really bear the I mean, it seems to be too much of a drush. And there are other ideas. There's a long here which describes something. I, I, I'm going to suggest an idea which is hinted at in the Kliyaka, and I want to develop it a little bit more. It does seem to be implied by the pasuk that the choice of the eighth day, uva yom it has to do with the fact that she spent seven days being me and on the next day the eighth day and just as you expect, next 33 days it's telling us the days of that take place what, what takes place after birth there's a day by day chronicle seven days Temei one day Mida 33 days Temei Tara it's all part of the same procedure why is the Brit on the eighth day okay that's our law how is that connected to the fact that the woman has been to Meir for seven days and on the on the eighth day she basically becomes tahora according to the original halacha as described by the Torah here. So the Koyaka has the following idea. He says circumcision or not circumcision being uncircumcised what we call an arel in Hebrew the uncircumcised is itself a state similar. It has the idea of death. He the Gemara in Psachim, which exists, Mishnah, Beit Hillel says, that ha-poresh min ha-olah poresh min separation from the foreskin, the olah, the finding mark of an uncircumcised person. Separation from the foreskin is like separation from the dead. And the context is, Beithil is explaining why such a person requires tefidah. He actually requires the procedure of tava of contact with, with, with death, which is also hazaah, etc. And he's not allowed to eat the common Pesach. So if there was a circumcision on Ever Pesach, the circumcised person does not eat Koban Pesach because he needs another seven days and has to become Tahor and therefore he can't eat Koban Pesach. To be honest, the phrase is being used metaphorically. Uh, it's true that that's what Betila said, but it's not true La It's only true, the context there is a convert, a guy who converts Ever Pesach and has his Mila Ever Pesach is not allowed to eat the Koban Pesach and it's the Rabbanan, it's a special halacha, because uh, whatever, there's a reason, uh, and he has to undergo a. He did, but he did tefillah as part of his conversion. He has to do another tefillah seven days later, uh, as well as Haz'ap and in order to get rid of this tumah, which is called. It's the Rabbanan, it's a rabbinic enactment. Uh, this halacha does not apply to a Jew who was an adult and an other. he wasn't circumcised. And he was circumcised of Ever Pesach, he eats Komen Pesach. So it's not actually true that halachically uh, an Orel is dead and someone who was circumcised requires Tahara from coming to Katak with the death. But nonetheless, Beitila used the phrase, and therefore the, uh, the, the Kleoka thinks that he's justified in claiming that, speaking, philosophically speaking, there's something. The, 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 the phrase is accurate even if it's not halachically, halachically full-fledgedly accurate. Um, circumcision is similar to tahara. The Klayaka, and this might be surprising to many people, we've been trained not to think in these directions, the Klayaka connects this with Chet Adama Kadmon, with what is called in Christianity the original sin. He says, once sin was injected into man, it has an effect. And the effect on women is different than the effect on men. He doesn't explain why. So the idea probably could be developed. I don't know how exactly. But on women, it's... it's um, it comes... It, 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 it's expressed in how bad the passage says it's expressed in the blood perhaps menstrual blood but in terms of our context right now the, the the blood of giving birth even when you're producing children you do it by bleeding out um, there's a lot of a lot of life is is, is is leaving you when one gives birth and that's an expression of the fact that we are not the way we were created and in males who don't have that experience at all, it's expressed in the fact that they're born with an ola, that they're born with a foreskin. That, that's the Kuryaka's explanation. Okay, I don't know if that's correct. I like the first part. The second part is just speculation. Uh, but the first part, I think I think, makes a lot of sense here. That maybe for a different reason, maybe nothing to do with... Uh, original sin which is not a simple concept for Jews to accept even though it has a lot it has the sources in Judaism as well not the same way that it does in Christianity and not people are doomed by it but, but does, it, does it leave an effect is humanity different yeah the Pasuk seems to say that you know, something happened you, they, 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 they ate from the eight sada Tovava something changed in human existence and, but even without that idea the Allah is the imperfection of man That would seem to be true. And since I think it's true that the perfection of man, no man is perfect. The perfection of man is that he's able to perfect himself. The perfection of man is that he's able to grow. He's able to become better. He's able to become closer to God. He's always perfecting himself. He's never perfect, he's human. But he has a certain experience of perfection and that is that he's perfecting. He's becoming closer to the perfect. He's becoming closer to God. And death is, as we said, the opposite of that. So yes, the Allah is a visible, physical symbol of the imperfection of man. And in order to go on this, the in order to a light on the highway towards God, in order to begin climbing the ladder, Sulam Yaakov, which was planted on the ground and its head, the head of the ladder was in the heavens and Yaakov is sleeping in its footsteps. In order to start climbing that ladder, yeah, you have to get rid of the Allah. The Oda is the symbol that you're not perfect. And human beings, or Jews, are perfect, meaning not actuality, but in potentially perfect. And therefore, they have to get rid of the olah and the very, very beginning before they begin this journey. And now the Pasha makes a lot of sense. When a woman produces life, so she has suffered a loss, and the baby is born with the loss built in. So therefore, seven days, she, she has to wait, but seven days, she has to get rid of her deathly experience. At the end of seven days, she you can go to the mikvah and get rid of the tumat leida, which in biblical times, before there was a taqnad of ba banan, would have allowed it to be tohava for almost everything except for going to the mikdash. We don't follow that halacha today, but it's true, Midiurite. And now, you continue the same process. The process of getting to full life. The separation of, we're producing life here. When we produce life, we suffered loss. When you produce life, the womb suffers loss, and the life you produce also suffers loss. What loss does it su- suffer loss? It is a loss. It, it's born within Allah, whatever the reason is. But a human being is born with a symbol of his imperfection together with his perfection. He was created by Tzalem al but the body that that al is in has a sign, has an anchor that drags it down. And therefore, after fixing herself, she and her husband, the father, fixed the child. It's not, just, it's not two different things. The whole reason why she got into this mess was because she was producing life. She's obligated, it's her mission, to produce better life. So she has to fix herself, because to, in order to produce life, you have to go down. It's a Yerida, to produce life, you have to separate yourself from life. So she needs to fix herself, seven days, and then she needs to fix the child. Who she's producing for life, meaning real life, life of Tara. So it's true that Alpidin is not Tamay. The child is not Tamay. There is conceptual Tuma and there's legal Tuma. The child does not have legal Tuma, but it's this very similar process. And therefore, the, the physicality of his uh, uncircumcision, the physicality of his foreskin, should be fixed. So that now, he can start, he's, he's at zero, but he can start from zero to start moving. And the woman is at 110, and she can she just had a break on, and she can start moving. And that's the next thing. Very difficult to understand what this is. It's a period of time where, according to the halakha, no matter what happens, even though she's still seeing blood, and she's still bleeding, she's tahora Almost. Not allowed into the mikdash. But, but it clearly means that she's, she's back on the road. She's, she can't go into the Mikdash yet. She's, she's, she's convalescent. She's recovering. But she's gotten back the spark of life. And to such an extent that even the blood she sees doesn't cause her to be tamei, according to the original biblical law. So she starts moving forward. She hasn't gotten to the speed that allows her to go into the Mikdash yet until she brings the Korban on the uh, um, 40th day, for a or if she gave birth to a nekeva, uh, then there's no Mila. And therefore on the 80th day she brings the same Korban. I forgot to mention, Hashem Shem Raphael Hirsch also explains why when you give birth to a male child, you're t- tme'ah. Mother's Tmeya for seven days and a female child, she's Tmeya for 14 days. Why should she be more to me after giving birth to a female child? Shem, Shem Fah, said a very simple explanation. If the tuma is engendered by the separation from life, which was in your womb beforehand, so a woman who's pregnant with a boy has two lives. A woman who's pregnant with a girl has two lives, and that second life is also potential life. So giving birth to a girl is being separated from the girl herself and also from her her, Not real, but not actual, but potential. Other lives that she's going to produce when she gets older, and therefore we just double it. In other words, it's it's it's, it's you've you've uh, giving birth to a boy, you're giving birth to a life. Giving birth to a girl, you're giving birth to a life-giving life, and that's why that's why it's double. The the, the contact with death is greater or deeper, and therefore everything takes twice as long: fourteen days of tumah and sixty-six days of what I call convalescence before. And she gets back to her full stride. Meanwhile the baby who doesn't need to be on full stride, he's starting on a lower level, is on his full stride, if it's a boy or a girl automatically uh, right away, um, as soon as they're born or as soon as they have the as soon as they have the Mila. And this we explain the first section of this week's pasha The very next section begins a long discussion of all Tazriya, and returns to it in Pashat and Mitzvah as well, of a different kind of Tumah, which we have no connection with in our heads at all, called tumat Sarat. We don't see it, we don't live it, we don't pask in it. The it Maisa does not exist today. It has many, many Psukim, and therefore, even though it's really hard to follow when the chazan is reading, I would suggest that you do pay attention to it. Try to think about what the Torah is saying about the different kinds of Tzarat, Tzarat of the head, Tzarat of the body, Tzarat of B'gadim, and the Pashat Mitzvah, Tzarat of Batim, of houses, it Apparently it's is an important pasha has a lot of meaning, although it's difficult to us understand because we're so far divorced. Shabbat Shalom